Hi, and welcome to Perspectives on Perseverance with Dr. Mark Ballard, President of Northeastern Baptist College in Bennington, Vermont. At NEBC, we are committed to developing the mind of a scholar, the heart of a shepherd, and the perseverance of a soldier. With this podcast, we seek to provide you with biblical, historical, and contemporary perspectives on perseverance that will help you persevere in your walk with the Lord and in your service to Him, to His people, and His creation. This is episode 20, and that means it's a lion's den. So, President Ballard, are you ready for the lion's den? I reckon I am, so bring them on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right to it today. Um, How'd you like that, by the way, reckon? I haven't used that term in a long time. <laughs> you know, I'm finna ask you a question in a few seconds here, <laughs> yeah, so let's right. go. <laughs> All right, let's I, go for it. But I did like it. I did like it. Okay. So uh, the first question we have, and I think this one's really funny considering what happened uh, last week during our research, reading, and writing week, um, but this uh, listener asks, how should I handle theological disagreements with my friends? Specifically, my best friend and I are both firmly committed in opposite positions regarding Calvinism. <laughs> well, that's a great question, and uh, throughout life you will uh, have agreements and disagreements with people that you uh, hopefully love and uh, care for. And so I, I think, uh, Joe, it's very important for us to understand that uh, we are going to have disagreements, first of all, Absolutely. and uh, there are going to be uh, particular passages of Scripture that, uh, uh, though the main point is very clear, there will be some uh, secondary things in that text that um, good people that believe the Bible, love God, preach the gospel, stand on the Word of God are going to disagree upon. Uh, particularly uh, the person who sent this question in hit on one of those issues that has been that way for centuries, quite frankly, and that is uh, the issue of uh, TULIP, uh, the doctrines of uh, that came out of really the Synod of Dort that carry the name Calvinism. And so there are going to be differences of opinion on each one of the the five points and uh, on the system as a whole. Um, when we speak of Calvinism, we really speak of more than just soteriology, although that's mm -hmm. where it really focuses on. But it does um, the full orb position of John Calvin, in particular, particularly of the Synod of Dort, also has to do uh, with issues of your eschatology, which you believe about end times. It has to do with uh, your ecclesiology. Uh, how you see the church and, and so forth. So uh, there are going to be those, those disagreements. I think of uh, the story of, of the, the time of the Great Awakening uh, in our particular region. And uh, there was uh, obviously disagreement between uh, the Wesley brothers and uh, George Whitfield, mm -hmm. and uh, there were issues there. And, and so uh, one time, uh, one of... Uh, those who was a staunch follower of Whitfield asked him, do you really think we're going to see Brother Wesley in heaven? And uh, he actually said, no. said, I don't think I'll see him because he'll be so much closer to the throne of God than I will. <laughs> and uh, it is important to understand that uh, if uh, there are essentials, uh, there are primary issues, uh, for instance, the authority of the Word of God, the inherency of the Word of God, 
who Jesus is, the eternal begotten Son of God, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, uh, that he lived a perfect life, died as our substitute, was buried and rose again, and that he is coming back. Uh, those are some of the essentials that we must never compromise on. But even when people disagree with us on those, for instance, uh, people that don't uh, claim Christianity and so forth, we should speak the truth in a loving way, and mm -hmm. we should be loving towards those. But then, uh, once we move beyond those essentials, we have secondary issues that we might uh, hold very firmly and very passionately, and might even hold them by conviction um, that we would even be willing to die for. Uh, but therefore, just because someone disagrees with us, we need to be very careful to to uh, speak the truth in love and uh, also to not jump to saying someone's a heretic uh, <laughs> just, just because they disagree with me. Um, or any other term that we might use, liberal, moderate, uh, fundamentalist, uh, people uh, tend to define those terms by someone different than me than by just uh, what those are. So uh, my, my advice would be to uh, determine with your friend, listener, uh, that you are both going to uh, love one another. You're going to uh, not attack one another personally, but that you're going to speak the truth in love and that you're both going to understand that Scripture is the final authority and uh, try to search out the, the scriptures to uh, to land where you land. And where you can agree, uh, rejoice in that. And where you disagree, uh, do it agreeably. Yeah, thank you for that answer, President Ballard. Um, you know, uh, having observed me and a few of my friends going through college, that these do exist among us even. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can say I am very thankful uh, if not even more thankful some days for the friends I disagree with. Um, <laughs> because as Scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so is, so one man sharpens another. And uh, I have found that to be absolutely true. L let me just tell this listener, if, if you're asking this question and you didn't send it in, um, man, Jesus didn't say we have to unite over Calvinism or, or, or what whatnot. Jesus said unite around him. Mm. And, um, and so you have the opportunity to be strengthened in, in your position by being friends with someone that's outside of your position. And it, as, as our listeners says, being best friends. Um, I hope that doesn't change for you. And I hope you prayerfully uh, seek God as to how you respond to those disagreements. A absolutely, Joan. Just as a wrap-up of that, I, uh, two things come to mind. Uh, one is a verse I already quoted, and that is to speak the truth in love. And secondly is, is uh, when I was going through my Ph.D. Um, uh, program, uh, the director of the Ph.D. program at the time used to set up these, uh, these meetings for us uh, with people that uh, clearly would be bringing opposing views intentionally. Uh, and he would, uh, the person would do a presentation, then we'd do Q&A, and uh, he used to say, um, now, before we start, I want us to remember to be charitable to one another. And uh, when, when the Q&A starts, go for the juggler. And the first time he said that, I looked at him like, oh, my goodness. And then he said that he would pause. And he, then he said, the juggler of the argument, mm -hmm. not the person. Treat the person uh, with Christ's love. And I think that's crucial. That's good. I like that. I like that. Well, let's move on to another question. 
Um, there, there's a few here today, but I think this is a good one. Uh, you and I recently had a conversation about this, President Ballard. Um, but this guy says, I'm bivocational, and uh, I'm going to assume that means he's a pastor. He says, I'm bivocational, and I don't feel like there's enough time in the day. How should I manage my time to get the most work done? <laughs> Do you know anything about that, President Ballard? <laughs> uh, well, uh, time management is a very difficult thing, and uh, it's uh, one of those things that is very easy to, uh, to get so overwhelmed with your schedule that uh, you just are, are moving from one thing to another without really any plan behind it. Um, and it's also easy just to waste time, quite frankly. And um, so it really takes a, a lot of effort and work and planning. Uh, but uh, I always uh, have said uh, something I learned really as a teenager was that uh, either uh, your schedule will run you or you will run your schedule. Mm. And uh, so, uh, Joe, you know that I uh, plan out uh, every semester. At the beginning of the semester, I lay out my schedule for the, uh, for the semester. It includes seven days of the week. It includes from uh, 5 a.m. in the morning until about uh, uh, 10 o'clock at night. I try to do the same thing, but mine says sleep from 5 to 9, so I don't really do too much. <laughs> well, I, I leave off those sleep hours and <laughs> don't actually put them on the schedule. But, uh, but uh, I do, uh, I schedule by uh, priorities. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the book that I wrote is about priorities, and if you remember in that book, uh, the most recent book I wrote, but right. the... Um, in the book, one of the things I talked about is priorities isn't just about uh, your money and your and your tr your uh, uh, talents, but it's also about your time and uh, where you're going to put your time. And so I prioritize my time in a uh, weekly schedule that I generally follow. Uh, it's not in concrete. Sometimes emergencies arise that I need to change that. But then within that uh, general schedule, then um, I'm very careful about. Um, very careful about how I plot my hours. And uh, so, I, as you know, Joe, I'm involved in a lot of different things, and uh, uh, including writing and so forth. So I, I have to schedule my time very carefully. I also have learned to, to work to not waste time. So um, the other day I had a, a doctor's appointment, and of course, you know how it is when you go to the doctor. Uh, you end up with um, uh, with time on your hands. Hurry up and wait. Yeah, exactly. So you know they want you there early, and then then you wait till after time before you actually get your appointment. So I always carry things with me uh, to be doing, and that's one of the reasons I like Kindle books uh, because I can do research and so forth. My my cell phone. Uh, I've actually uh, written documents um, on my cell phone because I, I have Word on it. And uh, I answer emails and so forth, and and so uh, actually the um, uh, the the nurse when she came to get me said I'm sorry it's late, and I said it's okay. It gave me time to get some things done, and so <laughs> so w I try not to waste time uh, like that. So if I find right. myself waiting, uh, I jump into to work, and so uh, it's just how you organize and and arrange your life. But if you don't plan. Um, you uh, you likely will just kind of go from one issue or one problem to another, and and just it becomes overwhelming. Mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, essentially the the idea President Ballard is laying out there is is take your office with you. Yeah, um, we we live in a time of convenience. 
as far as technology goes and whether you disagree with technology being convenient, I'm willing to play ball with that question. Oh. Um, but, you know, you can take your office with you. Uh, you can you, you need you need to plan out your time. Oh. Um, you know, I know that's that's frustrating for me, particularly. I had to begin this discipline uh, and it was a discipline. It was a <laughs> oh. a battle because I like to be free. Oh. Um, but sometimes we do need to discipline ourselves. And especially for the pastor, I, I realize that your job um, is very strenuous, very difficult. Um, it is. Um, and, and as you are led by the Spirit to pastor your church and to work in whatever vocation you need to to support that, um, don't neglect the fact that this is also a responsibility. Absolutely. And so use that time wisely and ask God to help you use that time wisely. I found that that's the, the answer in most of my uh, struggles. Moses uh, in Psalm 90 prayed, Lord, teach us to number our days. And uh, we need to do that and we need to redeem the time. And uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. plan it and um, and do it in prayer and uh, then, then work that plan, even carry and work with you wherever you go. Absolutely. Hope that encourages you, Pastor. Yeah. We got time for one more? I, we do have All time right. for one more. We might be able to squeak two in there. Hey. So let's see All what right, we can great. do. Okay. Uh, this question might take a little while, though. And, oh, uh, and, and I, you know what? I love this question because I, I have asked it multiple times myself. Dr. Ballard, it seems that a large number of Christians have been praying for revival in our nation for a long period of time. Why has it not come yet? Hmm. Boy, that's a that's a great question, uh, Joe. Uh, I tell you, I, my mind is going in about four different directions of wanting to answer that question. Uh, the The first uh, thing, though, is that um, one thing we need to note is it, throughout the revivals in, in history, a lot of times people didn't recognize they were in the midst that's of true. a revival uh, when it when it happened. So, for instance. Uh, since January 1st of, of uh, 2018 through February 29th of 2020, uh, the, um, the uh, student staff and faculty at Northeastern Baptist College have been involved in leading 574 people to faith in Christ. Um, wow. Yeah. I, listener, I'm just hearing that number for the first time now. That's, that's really exciting. You know, the, the thing is, is we don't really think about that uh, while it's happening. And, right. And sometimes we think, man, we wish more would happen. But we're talking about two years and two months um, that that, that has huge. taken place. Now, to, to be totally fair, not all of those were in the Northeast. 180 of them were on international mission right. trips. Uh, but that still means that over 300 people across the Northeast through the ministries of uh, our faculty, staff, and students. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you count the fact, though, that even on those international mission trips, that's pretty significant when you consider that that, that actually only counts for three trips, and there were 180. Mm-hmm. And um, so this year alone, uh, January and February of 2020, we've had 123 um, wow. that have um, made a profession of faith through the ministries of, um, of our faculty, staff, and students. Now, is that, is that, can that qualify as a spiritual awakening? I, I don't know that it can, uh, except for in the lives of those individuals, it Absolutely, certainly does. Right, right. So, so I think, uh, I think uh, we may be at the beginnings of that, uh, particularly when you look at 
the fact that in the uh, seven out of the last eight years, uh, the New England states, the six New England states, have increased in baptisms every single year, uh, where most of the nation, in fact, the rest of the nation has been on baptismal decline. Uh, the Northeast has seen uh, has seen this kind of movement. So again, that's that doesn't yet classify us as having experienced a, a spiritual uh, awakening, um, because we're still Vermont and New Hampshire are still the two least church right. states in America. Right. Uh, but but the fact is, is something is happening across this region that has not happened in over a hundred years, and so it may be the beginnings of that kind of movement. Secondly, I would say that uh, when we talk about the word revival, it really is talking about believers and uh, them being revived in their relationship. Uh, I heard an old preacher when I was a kid say, you can't be revived unless you've been vived. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't be reignited in your walk with Christ if you don't have a walk with Christ is the point. That's true. And uh, so, so spiritual awakening is about lost people coming to faith in Christ, where revival is about God's people getting serious about the things of God. Now let me ask you a question right there, President God. Which one do you think will come first? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a great question, uh, but ultimately there has to be some of God's people who are experiencing personal revival, <laughs> absolutely, uh, or or they'll not be sharing their faith. And <laughs> so, uh, so my my point is though is that individuals may be experiencing revival, and church a, a particular church may be experiencing revival. But typically when we use that term, we're talking about uh, a broad spectrum of churches across a, a region or across mm-hmm. a state or across a city, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe across the whole nation. And uh, though we have seen pockets of that, uh, we have not... We have not seen that widespread yet, right. um, and and that brings me really to the last thing I would I would want to point out about it, um, and it's something that I grapple with and have for many years. It's a it's a song that, quite frankly, um, I was at a, visiting a church when I was a teenager, and uh, that um, one of my nieces sang this song in church, and it it struck me, and I've never forgotten it. And the uh, the words of the song, I won't sing it for you, Joe. I know no, you're I getting nervous. <laughs> but uh, the words of the song say this, Do you really want revival? Do you really want God's power? Do you mm. really want His Spirit to control your life this hour? Are you praying for revival? Are you seeking for revival? But then he, here's the catcher. And it's, it's the very last phrase. And it says then are you willing to obey? Hmm. Um, we can say we want revival. We can talk about revival. We can pray about revival. But if we're not willing to obey what we already know of God's Word, then we're not ready for revival, personally. Yeah. You know, I, I, in my uh, bachelor's degree, you know, I studied revival, and you're uh, your inter- or, oh, the internship course that we offer all our seniors. Um, you and I discussed revival at that point, and it's become a, a theme of my study. Um, but one thing I noticed, and I would I would add to this answer because this has been satis- this has helped satisfy my uh, desire to see revival and spiritual awakening. 
um, is if you look at the greatest revivals, which Elmer Towns writes a book, I think it's called The Ten Greatest Revivals uh, of All Time, uh, he starts in the book of Acts. And and I would go back further, um, not... Mind you, this is not gospel revival as we would anticipate today, but the, the revival in the rule of King Josiah in the mm. book of Second Kings mm. is an incredible testimony to the faithfulness of those that are mm. God's people and mm. in the return of God's people. But through history, the revivals we have seen, we sometimes in an American mindset think, oh, that means the government, oh, that means the institutions mm. will start acting Christian again. Mm. And I think we need to forsake that as being a qualifier qualifier for revival and say, no, revival happened in places where there was immense persecution. Revival Uh happened in places where there was no visible signs of the country, but there was clear signs of the churches uh, experiencing the the power of God and the work of God there. And so, Christian, I think that's happening Mm. to some degree. And as President Mm -hmm. Ballard said, it's happening in pockets. And then the last thing I would add, too, on revival is if you're praying for revival, sometimes we get so focused on God sent corporate revival, God sent revival to my church, to my city, to my town, whatever that may be. Uh, a thing I was taught by an older pastor is to take a piece of chalk, and I know chalk is old and outdated, <laughs> but draw a circle on the floor and step in the circle and say, God send revival here uh-huh. and ask that God would revive your heart so that he can use you in this next great awakening, this next revival that we're seeking to see. Amen. Well, you know, uh, it uh, it must be a musical day in my head because because it it really, really brings that uh, old song back to my mind, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, Mm -hmm. you know. While on others you're calling, do not pass me by. Mm -hmm. And when that's our focus... Uh, then we can experience spiritual revival. In fact, I, I believe as a as an individual, you can walk in spiritual revival day by day and moment by moment. Amen. <laughs> that's, All right. that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Perspectives on Perseverance. Uh, this has been a great lion's den, and if you ask me, I, I love the questions that we got. I love the questions and the answers President Ballard has given. Um, If you want to know more about Northeastern Baptist College, please visit our website at nebcvt.org. Also keep in mind that we'll be having a preview day on April 2nd of 2020. If you or a family member is interested in this, this is a great day for you to come check out the college. Totally free to you. Uh, It starts at 9 in the morning, and it goes till 4 in the afternoon. Uh, Please tell your students about it, and and you can sign up by going to nebcvt.org. Go to the admissions tab and click schedule a visit. You'll see the preview day information right there, and uh, you can sign up. We'd love to have you, uh, and thank you for joining us for Perspectives on Perseverance today. And just remember, no matter what today may bring, persevere and have a great day in Jesus. Strength and armor, we are fit.